This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. It's Around the Dial, the best in sports talk for Monday, January the 7th. And Wild Card Weekend is now behind us. To the victor go the spoils. Some amazing wins and some brutal losses. But we'll begin with the victors. And let's begin in Philadelphia where everybody is wondering, my goodness, is Nick Foles going to do it again? Another huge spot. Another delivery of a victory by Foles driving the Eagles down the field into the teeth of the Bears' defense, getting the go-ahead score, then watching Cody Parkey, the Bears' kicker, miss the field goal to win it. And so how about Doug Peterson, the head coach that won last year's Super Bowl behind Nick Foles, who joined Angelo Cataldi in the morning show on Philadelphia's WIP. You and Foles obviously did this through a Super Bowl, so you have that benefit. What's his demeanor like in those moments, that last drive? He is unbelievably calm. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a scary calm. You wonder sometimes if he, you know, if he's got a pulse and he's and he's and he's feeling the moment. But I know he is, and that's the thing because we we talked even during the game, and he was really good. Um, you know, during the game, his mind was in the right spot. He was focused. Um, you know, and and just in those moments, he he just he's he's delivered. Um, but but I'll tell you this: the guys around him too. If it's not for the offensive line, you know we, that's one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League, and Khalil Mack. And to hold him to no sacks again, you know, a guy like that is 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 tremendous. And um, his receivers down the field making plays. Alshon a big big third down there in the red zone to to get us down to the two yard. I mean, it's just play after play on that drive. So a lot of credit too uh, goes to his uh, his teammates in that drive. All right, Doug, fourth and goal from the two, the entire season rides on the play. And you go to Golden Tate, who has not been a huge part of your offense, and it's executed for perfection. Could you tell us what you're thinking is in picking that play in that moment? Well, that's what we brought him here for, Angelo. Yeah, good time to play. unveil him. It was a good time to use it, right? <laughs> That took some guts there, dog. That's all I'm saying. You know, he, he, listen, you know, and the, and the thing, the what I get to see every day is those those types of plays that he makes in practice. Now, some of those, sometimes those plays don't get called in games, and sometimes it's the way the game is dictated. But, um, you know, we run that play a lot. We've had it in our offense um, the last couple of weeks. We just haven't, we just haven't executed it uh, or needed it in, in, in games. And so, he he's very good at that short, intermediate, quick um, type of routes, and 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 it was a route that uh, we felt comfortable with. We knew going into the game, based on our study, that Coach Fangio, the D coordinator for the Bears, he's a he liked to blitz you. You know, he'll bring extra guys, and we felt getting Nick on the perimeter where he could see 
and uh, make it an easier easier throw for him was was the was the right thing to do, and just a great play by two guys. Okay, kickoff short to Cohen. Doug, is that by design? Do you? No, no, it no, is not. No. Okay, it's a, it's a miss hit. It's a miss oh, hit, and I, okay. you know, and it's unfortunate because Jake has been really good at driving the ball deep, and you know he did it again last night. But that ball was just he got under the ball, and and if if Jake's gonna if we're gonna strategically hit one short, he's really good at putting it right on the goal line, not the eight yard line. So. Um, no, that was a miss hit. It was unfortunate. Um, and we actually had him corralled inside the 20. Uh, yep. Deshaun Hall had a chance to make a play right there. He hit him, you know, big body and, and just missed. And, um, you know, Cohen, Cohen took it, took it a little bit further. But, uh, yeah, it's something we'll learn from, you know, and we definitely don't want that. Trubisky makes a great throw down a site to Robinson to get him in field goal range, Doug. You didn't get the same level of pressure on Trubisky in the second half that you did in the first. What changed? Well, a little bit. Um, Matt started dialing up a, a little more. Matt Nagy started dialing up a little more, a little more uh, of of some shorter throws. And kind of, if you notice too in the game, they they he started baiting our corners just a little bit with some underneath throws. And then he actually got uh, Maddox a couple times on some on a double move earlier in the game. He actually called three. Uh, three double move type routes that that they hit for big plays, and that was one of them. And um, you know, it, again, it's it's a credit to them. You know, it's it's part of the game. You know, and and it's going to happen. Uh, it's unfortunate. We'll learn from it, and and uh, we'll be better. All right, this is where it gets real interesting. You're gonna you got a, t- a timeout remaining, and everybody's expecting you to try to ice uh, Parky. Um, do you hold that timeout for that purpose, Doug? Well, you can. I mean, it's not necessarily designed for that. I mean, you're hoping maybe if if you got the ball back with time, you know, say he makes the kick and there's still time on the clock, and you, you know, you hold your timeout for that situation. I mean, there's there's a couple scenarios that you would want to maybe hold the timeout. But look, it was the last play of the game. There was no there was no way I was holding that timeout. So I was standing right next to the official and and was kind of waiting for you know, the ready of play and, and just uh, timed it up right before the snap. I mean, you have to love Peterson admitting he doesn't know whether Nick Foles has a pulse. It's a scary call. I mean, that's how cool, that's how composed this guy has been in the biggest games. You wonder sometimes if he, you know, if he's got a pulse. We've never seen this before. A backup quarterback come in, win a Super Bowl, then be benched, then come back in after the same type of injury or the same quarterback getting injured only to run it back. We've never seen this. Can the Philadelphia magic trade continue next week in New Orleans? This is just remarkable to witness. Of course, on the flip side of Foles' magic means there's some team that's crestfallen. In this case, it's the Bears. A last-second field goal, lined up, Parkey hits it, and it's good, and yet Peterson called the timeout to ice him. So he's got to line up and do it again, and the second time, it's no good. Doink off the post, doink off the crossbar. Double doink. And so now Bears fans, with a long offseason, here's Mully and Haw on the score, 670 in Chicago. Say good morning, but it really is not a good day in it's Chicago. It's a victory Monday. No. Yes, it is, because we're not losers, and I'm not pointing fingers. 
or tipping anything with my fingers. Boy, I tell you, it's uh, it, it is uh, a day where people will be able to vent, process, and begin to cope with the off season that is here abruptly. But it's hard to find the words to adequately describe what happened last night at Soldier Field. You know, the headline, painful headline in the Philadelphia Daily News this morning is "Clanks for the Memories." and they're having fun at the Bears' expense, and good for them because that's a team that came in, and they do have the heart of a champion, and they wouldn't go away. But if you're the Bears, you're looking at this, and they said all the right things after the game. And yeah, what, they, what were they going to say? They handled it in a way that— You know how people feel when kickers miss kicks. I know. There's 52 guys in there. That's right. And they feel like they deserve and better. And they all said the right thing. Yes. But— but but is a kicker that cost him the season. But that's the way a lot of people hanging will feel. over them. Yeah, yes. and, and and I, I you know you want to be fair here because, and and you want to be you you want to look at this with with some perspective. And and I do number one. Let me finish. I, I I feel like number one, you give Cody Parkey a lot of credit for being the first guy when the locker room doors opened. He faced the music and he took all questions and he answered it like a pro. There's no doubt that you have to give him credit for being a stand-up guy. At the same time, I think that the people who say that games don't come down to one play, last night came down to one play. You make the field goal, you're going to L.A. All the other things that happen in the game we will talk about over the next four hours, over the next four months. But I think that you have to be fair here, the missed field goal prevented the Bears from moving on. And that was a makeable field goal, Molly. That was one that if you pay a kicker what they're paying Cody Parkey, you have to have the expectation that he's going to hit it when it matters most. You know, because you paid Cody Parkey, you never bothered with it. You just said, well, we're paying him and that's that. So you can't um, – I, I, I don't have words – when when this yeah. began, after that you, Lions you're game. You're saying his salary is the reason he was there last that's night. That's the only reason yes. he was there last yes. night. And that is the only and, reason. And, and, and you, you knew you had a problem, so, and you, you knew you had paid him, and so you just didn't want to deal with it. Your front office put you in a position that you should not have been in had had you not overpaid the kicker in the offseason, right? And, and the that kick, decision. The all, the great was, off season, all the great decisions you made in the offseason were basically – Undone by the by the by worst the one, one that you made. the one decision you made. Yeah. Yeah. There's always one, right? And and but David, you know, the the play, the ball was deflected. Everyone everyone is well now wait a minute, it got tipped. Let me tell you Trayvon something. Trayvon Hester tipped it yes. at the line of scrimmage. But let me tell you something. I thought when he hit the first one before they froze the time frozen with the timeout, mm-hmm. when when he went through, followed through and hit it, I thought it was low then. I really did. I thought like, oh that, like that. That you know that was I had the same a thought. good kick, but it was it, the trajectory of the yeah. ball was not. It wasn't like he, it was a line drive. Yes, and and look, I don't think that we can ignore the fact that there was an eagle defensive lineman that got his fingertips on the ball. Boy, does the groan say it all. It is uh, a day where people will be able to vent, uh, process, and begin to cope with the offseason that is here abruptly. But That is a painful groan from the guys in the Windy City. But you can just tell how much anger there is at the kicker. And that is always the worst way to go into the offseason. When you have five months to stew... On a missed field goal, because it's one thing if your defense collapses, one thing if your offense can't get points on the board. It's one thing if there's mistakes and fumbles or just 
mental miscues, but it's another thing when you are lined up for a win in the playoffs and the kicker rips it away. I give Parky a lot of credit for answering all the tough questions, but you have to say there is no more awful way to lose than when the kicker rips it away from you. So two NFC East teams are moving on to the divisional round, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Dallas gets a victory at home over the Seattle Seahawks. Head coach Jason Garrett of the Cowboys joins Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas to talk about all the interior little stuff that was done that helps equal a big thing, a win. But the defense did a really good job throughout the game. You know, I thought at the outset of the game, in particular, the three and out, the three and out, the three and out. Uh, they did a really good job simply getting off the field. And I think it was a combination of those two things, stopping the run, keeping him in the pocket, and then winning on third downs. And then they made critical stops really throughout the game. So I thought they did a fantastic job. Not perfect by any means. Certainly plenty of stuff we got to clean up. Uh, but I thought they played uh, I thought they played well. And for us on offense, it was going to be the flip side. Uh, the, the a team that prides itself on, on not allowing a team to run the football against them. And we had to be persistent, you know, giving Zeke the ball and making sure that uh, we gave him some opportunities to control the game. And, and I think if you looked at it, you know, really throughout the game, that was, a, that was a huge part for us. thought the guys did a very good job up front. You know, blocking their down guys, it's a really good front. Uh, the linebackers are outstanding. They got a lot of guys around the line of scrimmage. So there were a lot of dirty runs in the game, a lot of one and two yard runs, but Zeke was able to break out a few times as well, and I believe just controlled the tempo of the game. And uh, I thought Dak did a fantastic job throughout, you know, making some big plays in the game, making a lot of little plays in the game, uh, you know, critical moments, made some big-time plays for us. You know, some of the runs he made down in the red zone were huge to be able to cash in on some drives. And, uh, you know, I thought that was critical in the game. But, but I felt like on both of those phases, just it was the spirit that we played with that, that, that was really, really critical, you know, in determining the outcome of the game. Uh, we had some success. You got to keep playing. You got to keep going. And certainly when we have some adversity, the same thing. And, and I don't think at any point in the game did we blink. And then in the kicking game, uh, it's really the same thing. You know, Tavon made a big return for us. We had another return for a touchdown. Gets called back. Again, you just get back to work and you keep going. And, and I thought for the most part we're able to do that throughout our team. And that, that really that really separated us and, and was, the, was the differential uh, in the end of the ball game. Jason Garrett right here on a victorious Cowboys Monday on 105.3 The Fan coach, I was a uh, I, I was at the game, and I thought that that was the best home crowd I can recall um, in in about a decade of going to the stadium for the pregame shows. But did did it jump out to you? Everyone seemed to be on their feet uh, on defense. The place was a madhouse. What did you think of the crowd home field advantage? Yeah, I thought our fans were incredible. Uh, you know, nearly a hundred thousand people there, all wearing white. Uh, but most importantly, being loud. And, uh, you know, being loud at the right moments, uh, you know, making it hard for the opposing offense to function. And I can't say this enough or emphasize this enough. You know, when you're on the road and, and your communication is challenged, you know, using silent count, you're using hand signals, there's so many different things that you have to do to combat that. That makes a big difference. It challenges your execution throughout the game. And uh, I, I thought our fans were incredible uh, really throughout. And, uh, you know, you talk about a relentless spirit. There are different times in that game, uh, you know, where there were lulls. And, and you know, we had, to, we had to get going again. And, and, and they were with us the whole way and made a huge difference throughout that ball game. I like that phrase by Garrett. 
dirty runs. That's what Ezekiel Elliott did between the tackles so many times on Saturday night. There were a lot of dirty runs in the game. I think also you have to give Dak Prescott some massive credit here. And as Jason Garrett alluded to, some plays that extended drives inside the red zone. Look, specifically, there is one play. Third and 14. You're already leading by three. It's outside of the two-minute warning. If you're stopped on third and 14, you're forced to kick a field goal, and then you're only up six, and the Seahawks get the ball back with more than two minutes remaining, and Russell Wilson has time to come back down the field to potentially beat you. Instead, on third and 14, Dak scrambles for the first down. That eventually ends up as a touchdown as they punch it in from the goal line. It puts them up by two scores, and after that, the Seahawks need to get an onside kick to get the ball back. They can't do so, and Dallas holds on for a victory. Dak Prescott now, two playoff games. He's had two very good performances, a win on Saturday, and then a couple of years ago losing in the shootout despite throwing three touchdowns against Aaron Rodgers. While Dak Prescott played very well, Lamar Jackson did not. In Baltimore, questions abound. Why didn't John Harbaugh ever make a switch away from Lamar and to former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco? 1067, the fan of the guys, Grant and Danny, broke this down. Let's listen in. The entire stadium was booing him. And to his credit, he ended up battling and, and Which, making by the it way, a little bit of a game. Ridiculous. The I entire agree. stadium's booing him. I agree. I, I mean, for goodness sakes. Does it matter that they weren't booing him and they were booing that Harbaugh hadn't? gone to Flacco? Like, does that matter at all? In other words, I don't think they were going, I hate you, Lamar Jackson. I think they were saying, what are you doing putting Joe Flacco? Well, I guess it's not the, yeah, any different. No, it's semantics. For If, if that's the case, that's fine. But I, I saw enough vitriol for Lamar Jackson. Just to We don't remember. We don't remember how we got here. We don't remember the 4-5 and five team that was left for dead that that they completely just 2.0'd themselves after Flacco kind of got banged up and said, we'll, we'll do this completely different thing and won different ways. And the, their only loss was... A crazy game against Kansas City. They were a better team. This is this is how they were best served. Now, it didn't work today or yesterday. It didn't work. Did you see the Tracy Wolfson report? She had a, a report from the sideline that a bunch of fans were basically heckling Lamar Jackson or basically demanding, you know, chanting Flacco, I guess is what they were doing. Uh-huh. And Jimmy Smith, the cornerback, walked over to them and said, don't forget how we got here. He's the only reason we're here. Yeah. We need you, you know, to shut the bleep up, basically. We want this guy to get support. And I think Romo or Nance called it. It was Nance said, why is he talking to the crowd during the game? And Romo was like, I like that he did that. Get some support for the young guy. Yeah. But Romo was advocating that they should have gone to Flacco. And there's no question halftime. in my mind they should have. And I and here's the thing. Baltimore fans are both right and wrong. They're wrong in the sense that they believe that they have the world's greatest living passer sitting on the sideline and they just chose not to use him. The inflation of Joe Flacco by this fan base, not everybody, of course, but um, by so many, I heard – Callers on national radio. I saw some of the Twitterati, people posting on Facebook, whatever. The idea that it, they basically just had Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas all rolled into one, sitting there waiting in the wings and chose not to use him and go down with the ship for some stupid reason. Here's the deal. He's not that. Joe Flacco is just a jag. He'll be a journeyman for the rest of his career. He'll start on a couple bad teams, maybe you know, back up somebody that's good, whatever. That's his lot in life. He's okay. He's still dining out off for an incredible Super Bowl run that he earned. He was awesome, but now everybody knows the ship has sailed. He's still relatively, for what you needed in that game, a better option. If you had a great passer, of course you put him in the game. You don't, but you still have, for the sake of argument, let's say Jackson's a three as a passer, Flacco's a five, I'm putting the five in. This is not the feelings time. This is not the time to worry about development. It's not the time to worry about 
long-term. This is surviving in the playoffs. This is a great defense that can keep you in any game against anybody that you might have to play at any point in time. I'll go right back to Lamar Jackson next week. Here's what I would have told him. Lamar, you're my starter next week when Joe brings us back to win this game. Joe, go win us this game. Right. And if it doesn't work, at least I have to empty the chamber. And it wouldn't have probably 95% of the time. 100% I agree. But you got to do something. We all know that Lamar Jackson is the future of the Ravens franchise, but when he's thrown for negative yards into the second half, to me, that's an obvious red flag that you've got to make a change. And I know that Flacco might have been a sitting duck back there with how good the Chargers pass rush was, but to me, at least, I'm taking a shot. To me, at least, you put Flacco in and see if he can do something because at that point in time, Lamar Jackson was just so awful I know that Lamar came back and put two touchdowns to the board late, but too little too late. I think that it was ridiculous that they did not go to Flacco at some point in that second half. By virtue of the win, the Chargers now go to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, who are the two seed in the AFC. Tom Brady watched that game and is watching a lot of film in preparation of the next game as the Chargers come in to take on the Patriots this weekend. On WEEI in Boston, the Mutton Callahan Show Tom Brady joined them and discussed looking across the sideline at the other quarterback. Of course, Brady has five championships. The other guy has zero. Phillip Rivers still looking for his first Super Bowl appearance. We often talk to you about the uh, QB fraternity and your friendship with Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. What's what's your relationship like with Rivers? I know you sent out a little uh, message, good luck message, but he seems like a, a pretty cool guy, pretty you know, kind of off the wall guy likes to have likes likes to have a big family. As you know, he's got nine kids now, which is kind of kind of wild. But uh, what do you think of Philip Rivers? I think he's you know an incredible player and has been since he came into the league. And I know I don't know him that well. Um, yeah. I know a lot of guys that have played with him, and uh, you know they all say great things. He's a great leader. Um, he's a great passer of the football. He's you know incredibly tough. And has just been a prolific passer. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like me. You know, he wants the ball out of his hands. You know, he wants to be able to anticipate, you know, coverages. He's got, you know, really a great group of skill players, you know, backs, tight ends, receivers. And, um, you know, they're playing as well as any offense, you know, that's, that's played all season. He's had an incredible year. Have you ever thought, you and your wife ever thought about having nine kids? <laughs> no, I'm I'm good with three. That's, that's plenty. That's, that's all I can handle. But, you know, good for him. I think he had his longest run of his career yesterday, didn't he? Was it uh, a nine-yard run? Yeah, he was pretty fired you think, up. You yeah. think you're faster? You think you'd win a foot race? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think that either of us uh, do that very well. But, it's you know, he makes those plays. He's You know, he's got a great feel in the pocket. And, you know, he moves around well, buys himself enough time. Um you know, he's done that for a long time. But I think his best asset is standing in the pocket and delivering the ball accurately. And I remember we played him in 07. I mean, a guy played on a torn ACL. And, you know, we played in 10-degree weather, and he was still firing, you know, dimes out there. So, I mean, this guy's got, you know, all the confidence in the world. And, uh, you know, it's, it makes for a great match. Go ahead, say it. He's got big ones. He's got big ones. <laughs> You talk yeah, about you talk about twenty degree weather. It's supposed to be somewhere in the in the mid to upper twenties. Maybe some snow on Sunday. This coming this uh, with a team coming from Los Angeles. Do we make too much of those things, Tom? At all 
West Coast teams or Southern teams coming to play North in bad weather? You know, I, it, it's really about playing good. It's, you know, it's certainly not the weather. And um, Is that a big advantage, though, for, for, for a Northeast team, do you think? Or do we overplay that? I think if we play well, it's an advantage. I mean, if we don't, you know, I think I love practicing it because I know, you know, exactly, um, you know, what I need to wear in order to stay warm and effective but not too much. And, you know, I'm sure they'll figure those things out. I, I don't. I don't make too much of those things. I like Brady talking about how he and Phillip Rivers can't run very fast. Because remember in the old XFL, the way that they decided who had the kickoff first was two guys running from each end zone into midfield to grab the ball. I would like to see Rivers and Brady do that in the foot race take like 35 minutes to finish. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can Rivers redeem himself for the 07 AFC Championship game when he went up there, as Brady mentioned, with a torn ACL, still played the game, but the Chargers offense really couldn't move the football. And finally, tonight is the National Championship game, Clemson in Alabama. Ed Ogeron's one of the best sound bites, one of the best interviews in the business. Head coach of LSU, and he joined 93-7 the fan in San Diego, an old friend of his, Dan Cilio, from their Miami Hurricanes days, and... We wonder if head coaches are interested in an expanded playoff. Coach O with the perfect soundbite. They're talking about expanding the college football playoffs. Are you a fan of it? You know, I think that uh, here's my, my thought of it. If they expand it and they ask us to go, we're going, Dan. If not, we're going to fight our butts off to be in that top four. You know, it's out of my wheelhouse. I don't worry about that stuff. Uh, but I think that it would be good for college football if there were eight. I think there, if there were eight, there's a possibility that we could have been one of those teams this year. Coach, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. Eight, ten, 48. I don't care because, to me, this comes down to getting – I hate that it's a beauty contest as it is. Okay, well, this team looks better. I hate that. Hey, let's get out there and play 60, man. Let's go out there and tee it up and see what we got here, man. I want to I want to test your mettle and find out who the hell you are here, man. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 hey, well, this guy looks better than this, and this guy looks better than that. Are we getting the right four in, though, Coach? That's maybe more the question because, to me, I think we got to play more into it instead of being subjective where a guy picks us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh you know, I don't know exactly what goes into the, into the picking of it. Uh, I do believe that there were some mismatches. We saw that. And I think there were some, some teams that were very good that were left out. So maybe eight would be the way to go. And uh, I think there would be a lot of SEC teams, like you said, being there. This is a great conference. There are some great teams in this conference. Coach, final question for what do you like tonight, Bama or uh, Clemson? You know, I like uh, – First of all, I'm not going to choose, uh, obviously. <laughs> I like Clemson's defensive line. I think they have a really good chance against Alabama. I think Tua is one of the best players I've played or we've played in a long time. Obviously, Alabama might have the edge because they've been there before and they won so many games. I think it's going to be an outstanding game. There's no way that Bama team could beat me and Jerome Brown and our teams. No way, Coach. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, 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 there's I no way. I, I'm with you. I, I'll take Jerome Brown and Dan Celio over anybody any day. Backed up by Cortez, Kenny, Russell, Maryland, Moreland, Sapp. What a great uh, combination of defensive line play. That's how deep it was, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dan, I remember. I, know. I remember on a Saturday morning, Russell coming in, and we had the old film, and he'd be watching film of you and Jerome Brown. 
Coach Hedge. When Cortez came in, he watched it. When Warren Sapp came in, he watched it. It became like what a great family of traditional defensive line play the way it should have played. You are one of the best players in college football. George watching you play this. If they invite us, we're going. If not, we'll fight our butts off to be part of those final four. Just a perfect Coach Ogeron quote. If they expand and ask us to go, we're going. If not, we're going to fight our butts off to be in that top four. I don't know if we're going to have an expanded playoff, but for now, we don't need one because Clemson and Alabama don't need multi-tiered playoffs to prove that they are the two best teams of the country. I'm on record with my theory on the college football playoff. I think you expand it to six, not eight. I think you only need to add two more slots. Why? Just give me the five automatic bids from the power conferences, all those conference champions. You feed those into the college football playoff, and then one group of five champions. So in this case, UCF this year. That gives you six. The top two get a bye, in this case, Alabama and Clemson, and that's how you create the very best college football tournament. Why? Because then we're not battling over at-large bids. We're not battling over who's most deserving, who is worthy, who's the best one-loss team. No, it just means you've got to get to your conference championship game. There's a path for everybody to do that. And then you've got to win your conference championship. There's a path for everybody to do that. Once you figure out that, then you have your six-team tournament. That, to me, eliminates all of the fuzziness, all of the murkiness, all of the mystery that gets everybody so bothered. And you'll say, well, what about a four-loss Northwestern team or a five-loss Georgia Tech team? What happens if they happen to win their conference? So what? And then they belong in the playoff. I just don't understand why we want to combine worthiness with the beauty pageant. Get rid of the beauty pageant. No more of judging who's worthy. Just put the most deserving teams in by virtue of the conference titles. And you do that by making then the conference championship games quarterfinals. They feed into the big tournament, and then eventually we get to the national championship game. I'm sure tonight's game is going to be awesome, and I'm sure tomorrow there will be plenty of reaction to it. So we'll bring you that then. This is DA for the Best in Sports Talk for Monday, January the 7th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.